recognizing the unsung heroes of sports media. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. This is the Producers Podcast with Brady Farkas. I'm the executive producer. Oh, you're the executive producer. And it starts now. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. Today we're talking with Greg Tuohy. Greg Tuohy, the executive director of The Herd with Colin Cowherd. How exactly do you manage a star as big as Colin? And what exactly does Colin look for from his producer team? Colin also has quite a number of producers, so how do they all work together to make The Herd as successful as it is? Enjoy The Herd's Greg Tuohy. Greg, executive producer, my first question is, does that encompass both the television side and the radio side, or is it executive producer of one of the two dimensions? So officially, I'm the executive producer for the radio side for the her- on The Herd. But the good thing about our show is that I work hand-in-hand and half for the last seven years with our TV crew. So when we started this thing, none of us really knew each other, but over the last couple of years several years, we've actually sort of developed some really great chemistry working together. And so now we sort of, each of us understand both aspects of what the other's doing as far as, you know, I know what the TV side needs and wants every day and vice versa from their end. So to answer your question, big picture, I'm officially with iHeart and I'm kind of involved with the uh, overseeing the show from, you know, 10,000 feet, big picture perspective. Every network does it a little bit differently. There are some radio shows that are viewed as radio shows that are on television and there are some that are viewed as television shows that are also on radio. How is the herd viewed? I think it's both. I mean, I think when you're listening to it, it sounds like a radio show. When you're watching it on television, it looks like a TV show. And I think that's what sort of makes our show so unique is that our TV side does a fantastic job of, of making, addressing it up and making it look just awesome every day. And the same thing for the radio side. I mean, Colin obviously is a radio guy at heart. He all, you know, he has been from the beginning. Um, so he knows how to, to sort of make our show obviously sound great on the radio, but also make it sound great on TV or look great on TV. You know, obviously we uh, incorporate different sound elements throughout the show to make it sound like a radio show, uh, whether it's a herd line imaging piece or a, 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 some a aspect of um Maybe it's a bit we're doing of some sort. You know, we have an open or close. You know, it sounds like a radio uh, show in that, in that aspect. So uh, I think it's both. I think in this day and age, I think you can make it both if it's done done the right way. And I think we do it, do that. I am a, a sports host in a small market. I am my own everything. I'm my own, my own board op, my own producer. I don't have a co-host. And in a lot of ways, that's great, right? Everything flows through me and I never have to answer to anybody. In other ways, it's very, very tough. Colin famously has a very big team that he is working with. And I imagine on some days that's awesome. And on other days, it's not that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but you have to be the guy to kind of get the best out of all of them and bring one streamlined message to Colin. What is it like working with such a big team? Like you said, like there's both sides of it, right? So you have, you have a lot of voices, you have a lot of opinions, but I think my role, what I've learned over the last several years is that, I think we all need to play nice to each with each other, right? Like we sort of, uh, I understand what they're trying to do. They understand what we're trying to do. And we sort of come to an agreement every day of, of how that's going to work. And each of us respects the other side. And, you know, it was tough in the beginning. We had some challenges of how we were going to do it. I think we sort of wanted ways, things done a certain ways more so than they did and vice versa probably. 
but I think, you know, we do have some of the, our TV staff uh, we've had since the beginning and um, I've been there since the beginning as well. So we sort of have come to the, you know, it's that respect factor, right? We all get along really well. We have great chemistry amongst the staff. So we sort of know how to uh, keep each other happy. The herd existed on another network previously to to the iHeart family and was very very successful. Mm-hmm. When it came over to Fox Sports Radio, how do you go about reinventing it without you know you, you don't want to do the exact same product, but you don't want to change too much and strange stray from what had worked in the past. So how do you kind of marry those two ideas of doing something new without trying to reinvent the wheel? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when he came over, uh, he he was doing a show that was on television. I think they had one ISO camera in the studio, and it wasn't like on a big soundstage like we were on. We're we're on now. Um, obviously, he didn't really have a co-host at the time uh, when we started the show. Christine Leahy was did the herdline uh, stuff, and then Joy came in a couple years after that. So he didn't have that. So that was an aspect where they could come in once an hour and, and they could talk about stuff that we mor- normally might be talking about, you know, to start the show or throughout the show. And it, you know, it was like a six or seven minute little uh, sort of uh, middle of the hour type break that you see in radio, like in radio bottom of the hour, you usually have an update. Well, that was sort mm-hmm. of our bottom of the hour update. And uh, it sort of evolved over the years and it's become what it's become. Um, so in that aspect, it's a little, that was a little bit different from what he was used to. But everything else has been the same. I mean, you're getting the same old Colin, right? Like you're getting his opening rant. That first 10 minutes is what everybody tunes in for every day. You're getting great guests. And so I think from that aspect, we, you, you obviously don't reinvent the wheel, but you take new pieces of things that he sort of wanted the show to evolve and become. You work in the old pieces and then, you you know, you have the your original herd. I don't believe there's a directive from corporate on this. It's just something that I have noticed since coming to FSR, Colin's show has tended to be more West Coast dominated. It's not entirely West Coast dominated. He's talking a lot of USC football recruiting and a lot of Lakers and a lot of Rams. And that makes sense because those are big brands and that have won championships. But does the show feel an obligation to talk more West Coast stuff, given that it's more morning drive-ish on that side of the country? I don't think it's an obligation, but I think you need to recognize where your biggest affiliates are. I mean, there's no secret LA is our biggest affiliate, right? So, and right now the teams in LA are doing great. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are fantastic. The Rams just won a Super Bowl. The Chargers are up and coming. USC has changed their program. You know, the Clippers, if they get healthy, they're going to be right there. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in LA right now for us to talk about. And he kind of, Colin likes to have fun with the New York, LA you know, the New York teams are dysfunctional, but the L.A. teams are really have their stuff together. So, I mean, really, I mean, L.A. is, a, is the number two market in the country. So I think uh, and with us being on there in the radio, it just makes sense that we do spend a lot of time talking about it. And it also helps the teams are really good, too. That makes it easy. Full transparency. I love the herd. I've loved the herd for years. I don't get a chance to listen live a lot just because I'm prepping for my own show. But I'm in New England. And I will pull a ton of audio for my show just from the clips I see posted on the Herd's Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Was and, and I love that you guys do that. It's incredibly useful. I find it informative. I'm watching them at lunch if I can't catch the show live. Putting parts of the show out on social media like that. Were you ever hesitant to do that because it felt like you're giving away the product in some way? Or was it just, hey, no brainer, as many eyeballs as we can get on the Herd, the better? I think what you see what goes out is like our biggest, um, 
you know, the kind of the biggest little tidbits of the show. Like what was uh, something from his opening rant? What did a guest say that was really, really cool and interesting? What's unique? What's different? I don't think we're giving it away. I think that you're just sort of, uh, uh, you take, a, I think when you take one unique piece of a certain rant and you put that out there, it's sort of like a little preview of what, you know, we did throughout the show. And uh, I think it works well. I mean, I think we have a great digital team um, on both sides, TV and radio. And, uh, you know, what we put out, I think it's just, it, it's a good mix. It's not too much. A lot of shows like to put everything out. Some don't put enough out. Um, but I think where we take, like, you'll see our feed usually has probably three or four uh, kind of uh, minute and a half clips, two minute clips of a rant, maybe something good a guest said. Um, and that, you know, that's, it seems to work. I think it's a good mix. Colin comes off as very well read. And I believe that he really does listen to a lot of other radio when he's coming in. I think he's taking in a lot of information himself. So I don't believe that he needs you to fully plan the show for him. That said, what exactly are you bringing to him on a daily basis, content-wise or topic-wise? And what exactly is he looking for from his producer team? When we come in uh, in the mornings, we have a, a, about a two-hour meeting every morning. We get there about uh, 5.30. He gets there a little bit before 6. And, um, you know, he has a good idea of what he wants to do every day. Um, we've got the biggest stories of the day, the day prior or that, that morning laid out for him. And we're just sort of helping him paint the picture. I mean, he, he knows he's got a great idea where he wants to go. Um, we're sort of just, you know, he starts going on a topic and then we start kind of giving him little nuggets, little details to help him sort of paint the picture to fill it out. And then we may spend, let's say, 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so on each topic and really take our time with it and make sure we sort of hit every angle something new, unique that you may, may not have heard somewhere else. Right. So that's, he loves that. He loves taking these, these stories and let's find our own unique spin on it. What's different about this story that what can we make different about this story that you haven't heard before? So we'll help him kind of paint, paint that picture and, and fill that story out. And then after, you know, 20 minutes or so, he's got one, one rant done and then we'll move on to the next one. Talk to me a little bit about guests um, booking at a show, the level of Colin's show, because I think for me in local radio, you know, it's pretty obvious that having a big guest will elevate my show, elevate, will give me more credibility. So I like having big guests on the show. A lot of times on national radio, I think Colin is the draw. So I got to imagine there are times where a guest is not as good as Colin. So how do you go about finding that balance between Who's worthy of being on the show? How many guests should we have on a daily basis? And how many times should we just let Colin go? Because Colin's a very big draw in his own right. There's always a, there's always that discussion about guests, right? Do guests really make the show? Do they make or break the show? If a guest cancels, does it kill your show? Is one an hour just the right number for us? It seems to be. I think for him, he's just looking for like, you know, what is this guest topical for the day today's show? You know, if there's a... Like say for instance today there was a there was a Kevin Durant story and the Donovan Mitchell story about the Knicks talks picking back up. We had Rick Buecher on you know in our last segment. Um, so today you know, he was a topical guest. I think I think a lot of times it just depends on uh, finding guys who he's comfortable with who can give him really good information who aren't too long winded but not too short. Someone who's going to come in give a nice unique opinion, uh, get out, and uh, it doesn't have to be an A lister every day. Sometimes you can get that reporter. If there's a big story in Cleveland about Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson or whatever, how we, you know, like we've seen in the past that he likes, uh, maybe it's finding a local guy right there and just giving us five, six, seven minutes talking about that. 
something unique that we may not have gotten somewhere else. So I think it's, you know, the, the guest thing is it's always up for debate, but I think really it's just finding that unique person who's going to give you good info, who's going to be concise, you know, and, and just sort of building your show around that every day, t- having it tie in topically to what you're doing. You know, I've had young producers of shows and new producers of shows, and I've asked them, how long does it take you to kind of find your footing with your host and find your voice kind of in the in the pre-show meetings? Kind of the same question for you, but on a different level. You are working with a star. You are working with arguably the best in the business. How do you manage the star host and kind of find your voice with a with a host that's on a really big level? It takes a time to to mesh with a new host. I mean, I've worked with several several hosts in my career, and it takes time. I mean, you have to learn exactly what they like, how they like it, um, what they're going to need every day. And uh, yeah, it took some time with Colin. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, when we started, John Goulet was with me, and he worked with Colin at ESPN, so he knew Colin and what he liked and what he needed, how he wanted the prep to go with the show. And and so I didn't I didn't know that. I was just going off just um, from what I had heard and and kind of been filled in on. So it took me a little bit longer than John did to kind of get to know Colin and, and his style and what he needed. But once, you know, once you get, once you get going and once we got going, it made it a lot easier to sort of get that day-to-day daily routine down. Um, because then once you know what he likes and needs and how he likes it, then you can sort of plan ahead and get ahead of stuff before, you know, the day starts. You are at the top of the producer food chain for everyone else trying to get there. What's the biggest piece of advice? This is stupid, corny cliche, but like, just try to be better than everybody else. Just, just work your tail off. When I started, I, I had a very interesting background. I didn't, I was a communication major, but I uh, didn't intern in college anywhere in the media. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I started in insurance and uh, I was working in the business world for a few years after I graduated college. And I started interning at Fox when I was 25 or so, 24, 25. And I was really, you know, I was very highly motivated because I didn't want to go back to the business world. I wanted to work in sports. So like I was, I mean, I felt that I needed to outwork all the other kids or the younger kids around me because I didn't want to go back to that. I wanted a career in sports. And so I would just say like, never say no, you know, learn as much as you can. Don't think you know everything because you don't ask questions, look for advice, you know, when you're out and about at events, Super Bowls or different events, talk to people, network, just do more than you think you're doing. You know, you may think you're doing enough, but there's always more you can do and learn. And uh, I don't know, it's it's really cliche, but just just grind as hard as you can. Greg, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, Brady. It's a great conversation with Greg Tui and a lot of different angles there. I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to work with one fellow producer Nevertheless, working with probably 20 people on a staff and there's such high expectations for the herd. And Greg talked about how all that they do to help meet those expectations for listeners and viewers and exceed them both on TV and on radio. And I love what he said about social media, that they put out just enough to make you wanting more of the real thing. And I do agree that their social media channels do a great job at accomplishing just that. That was Greg Tuey, the executive producer of The Herd. We'll see you on the next one on the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. You don't want to believe it, but maybe the show is over. Thank you for listening to the Producers Podcast. To enjoy past and future episodes, check out iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and BarrettSportsMedia.com. 